C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats and I'm the resident youth, Maddie Yergi. Hello, campers. We are <laughs> back again. We haven't had a guest in the last couple of weeks, but we have some good guests coming up. Don't you fear? Yes. Uh, but we wanted to come on today just for some follow up and to chat with you all and uh, yeah, listeners as in. we've check in. As we've said before, uh, as we go into 2021, people continue to have less time for listening. Uh, you know, for listening, we're not commuting, we're not working out outside, et cetera. Uh, we want to have shorter episodes so you guys can all come and continue to join in the conversation. Yes. Awesome. So we're going to lead off as we always do in our solo episodes with a millennial moment. Shay, do you have one to begin? Anything top so of mind? I have a millennial moment slash hot topic slash story from my college days. Excellent. Can't wait. So did you hear the sad news that the actor who played Screech, one Dustin Diamond, passed away today from a very terrible form of lung cancer? Who is Screech? I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. This is a millennial moment (laughs) happening right now Um, from Saved by the Bell. I've never watched that show. And there we have it, kids. (laughs) I assume Uh, people know who that is, but I do not. Yes. So he played. I mean, you are definitely quite young for Saved by the Bell. Um, he played the like, uh, so it's, you know, about these like group of friends in high school and all their adventures and goings on, but it's like very like PG. It's not like, you know, the OC or something They're you know, maybe kissing in hallways. Um, and he played like the, the doofy dorky kid that kind of had all like the weird, like funny one liners. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he died of a very like somewhat rare and aggressive form of lung cancer. Apparently he only got diagnosed like three weeks ago. Um, So that was kind of sad, but I heard about it because in my group texts with my friends from college, group texts, I think are a very millennial moment, very millennial thing. um, They were like, oh yeah, remember when he came to John Carroll where we went to school and did a stand-up act? Um, And I was like, oh, oh yes, yes I do. (laughs) Uh, Because I, this wasn't the year that I was president of the programming board, but I was on student union programming board and many adventures I could tell from those years. But, you know, I went to a Catholic college and they were pretty, pretty liberal. Um, But Dustin Diamond, who again, who played on this really like family friendly show came and did maybe like the filthiest stand up set I've ever heard. Maybe not ever. But at the time, certainly, I'm sure. Yes, certainly at the time and certainly for quite a few years after that. And it was like very shock, shocking to everybody. And he was kind of like a big ticket headliner. So we were like, oh, my God. It was also very similar to when they had um, Bob Saget. And he also like he was like a big, big ticket. And they were everyone was like absolutely horrified at how terrible and his well not terrible bad but like terrible yeah. nasty his comedy was so, so anyway girls were texting about that so that's my little ancient millennial moment for the the elders out there i love that there's a show on hbo called crashing 
It's with Pete Holmes, who's a stand-up in New York, and it had two seasons. I think it's off the air now, but it's just, it's like a funny little comedy show. And his character, the the Pete Holmes character, he is like a Christian comedian and he's like trying to make it in New York City comedy like doing a clean act and stuff and he ends up like doing this tour of like all these Christian colleges and like churches and stuff and it's really really funny and I feel like you and your college friends would get a kick out of it after your experiences all right well I will have to check that out what's it called again crashing crashing okay we will I will check it out I will share share with them um but yeah no much much to be delved into there um but yeah all right Maddie what is your millennial moment um mine is so I haven't like activated my profile yet but I have downloaded hinge and set up my profile Madeline texted me and David to ask us to review her photos and I thought we gave some excellent feedback you did one of you said I looked like my dad in one of the photos so that one was swiftly cut because that is not the vibe. It was true. <laughs> it was true. And David made a good point about showing stuff in your pictures to avoid stalkers, like not putting out too much information out there, which I thought mm-hmm. was very prescient. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm very, I'm excited. I was kind of just like, it's very overwhelming because I've used dating apps before in college. It's been many years at this point, And they've changed like I had a hinge profile in college I didn't really use it much like wasn't very intentional with it but like it's very much changed like the whole interface like everything about it and it's just like I'm in this overwhelm stage of like what's going on so that's why I've like peeked in but I haven't really jumped in yet um which I just need to kind of do it especially now that um you know, there's like COVID vaccine coming. It's hard to tell when things will come back to normal. But I feel like at least when the weather gets a little bit better, we're in the middle of a blizzard, a big blizzard right now in New York. We, we got a foot of snow mm-hmm. today. So that's been crazy. Love it's actually it. the worst snow since January 2016. I don't know if you remember that, Shay. It was when I was coming oh. back from winter break and my aunt drove me in and there was like two feet of snow on the ground. Ew. We were still living together. It was my senior mm-hmm. year. Um, it's a excellent snow. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm excited to see what's out there. I know Shay has obviously found success in love on dating apps or one particular app, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I have a lot of friends and relationships from them and I've done a lot of research on it and I'm excited. It seems like the very millennial thing to do. And it's been interesting. Like my mom and my aunt were like, you should get on the app. Like, that's what all the millennials are doing. And I was like, yes, I have also heard this, evidently. Like, this is not news <laughs> to me that millennials find people on dating apps. But, like, it's interesting because I feel like when I was first on them in college, there was still a stigma of, like, ooh, you met online. Like, it was kind of mm-hmm. weird still. And I feel like in the past four years, that stigma has, like, completely gone away and almost gone the other direction where, like, if you're single and you're not on an app and you're not putting yourself out there, people are, like well, what are you doing? It's so easy. You're just like wasting your time kind of thing. So it's almost weird if you're not on it. Yeah. Love it. Very true. I I don't even know because I feel like we've talked about this before, like pickup culture has changed so much even from when like I, well, 
maybe not it was transitioning when I was your age, but certainly from when I was in college, like nobody like comes up to you at a bar and asks for your number anymore. Like, I feel yeah. like that's way less common. So I mean, how else? I mean, I feel like you, the only other place you would meet people would be like through friends or at work. Right. So which is not yeah. the greatest choice. Go. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's what dating coach Lily says. She's like, it's just a tool. And all it does is just like, introduces you to people outside your social circle that's all it is it's not a magic bullet it's not the be all end all it's not a solve for all your problems it's just it's just a way to be like oh hello you intrigue but the apps are so much better now like now you can put like so much like deeper preferences in terms of like do you smoke weed what are your politics like hinge Mm. you have to put your height it's like non-negotiable you have to put like a job like some people fill it out better than others but you have to put like whether you're employed or not like if you went to college or not which like Mm. I find those things very helpful just to like have a baseline yeah that's interesting yeah yeah I like it I like it yeah also also it's very funny because I've been I just finished taking this um course about um like racial uh, equity at work and they were talking about like a lot of those kind of differentiators in the workplace to like switch it to something totally different are actually the result of white supremacy like if you say you require someone with a college degree well does somebody like really need a college degree like what is that actually saying about that person Um, and I think it's interesting how that could be translated to a dating app as well so anyway Many things to think about. Yeah. That's what I love about, um, like, Lily, dating coach Lily. Obviously, we love mm-hmm. her. Because she, like, I had, like, one of my preferences was, like, I want someone who's graduated from college. And she's always like, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Like, mm-hmm. what does that say? Like, what do you actually want? And for me, it's like, I just want someone who's had similar life experiences to me. And who mm-hmm. isn't like at a transitional point of life? Um, yeah. Anyways, we should do a deep dive episode on dating yeah. apps and stuff like that. Right. That'd be really great. But um, yeah, it's interesting, like getting to the deeper why. And sometimes when you do that, it's like it validates those type of checklist preferences and shows that they are valid. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, oh, you can open yourself up to surprise and a bigger pool of people. I think it's different with dating too, because it's like attraction as well versus. Mm-hmm. Um, office but but no I think that's very smart of Lily because you could sometimes get to that same end game through different ways that you didn't didn't think of so but however keeping us on track and off the tangents moving ahead yes moving swiftly ahead well we Mm -hmm. by the time you are listening to this we will have released our first um solo episode of the new year and also introduce our book club so get excited for that but Shay and I just wanted to touch upon some of the things that we had um, discussed in that past episode and just kind of peel back the curtain on how we produce this podcast and kind of what we're thinking about and like things that have changed since then and you know we don't expect listeners to know everything that's going on behind the scenes Um, but certainly we talk about things that could be considered controversial or things that we don't want to get taken out of context. And I think Shay and I both agree as opposed to cutting things out of episodes that are no longer relevant or have kind of evolved or 
if we say something where we're like, gee, I wish I had provided a little bit more context or I wish I was a little bit clearer as opposed to I always find it better, at least with my own speech, to kind of leave it as is, open up the dialogue and then talk about it again in a more informed way or a more clear way. Um, And that's kind of what we want to do, specifically around the hot topic that I had brought up in that episode around millennials in Congress. So I don't know, Shay, if you want to like dive into any more specifics before I continue, but just laying the scene. Sure, sure. So in um, Maddie's excellent millennial, or I'm sorry, hot topic, she was bringing up about, you know, one thing that had been really exciting about this election was that we were seeing a lot of younger people, particularly millennials, starting to step up into political service. And of course, we talked about um, Ossoff and a few others, but uh, Madison Cawthorn from, I believe, South South Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina, whatever, basically the same state. Yeah. No, Uh, he came up in our conversation. And when he came up in our conversation, I kind of had this like red flag go up in my brain. And I was like, I don't really know his story. I mean, I know he's very young and very handsome and in a wheelchair, but there was something like I got this immediate like negative red flag. Um, so we had our conversation and I made, I knew he was a Republican. So I made some comment about, you know, we didn't necessarily support his politics, but, and not that we, you know, don't support Republicans on principle, but you know, that I would have, there's a difference between the Trumpsters and yeah. Like John McCain. Yeah. Like other people. Like that. Exactly. So, you know, so I was like, okay, whatever. We finished our conversation and we got off of podcasting and I was like let me just google because I'm I'm like what is what is going on why do I have this like negative really negative um, visceral kind of connotation when it comes to Madison Cawthorn well when I looked him up it had come I I was started to read about the allegations of sexual misconduct against him and then as uh, more things happened and came out of the woodwork after the um you know, terrorist attack on the Capitol by these Trump supporters and uh, far, far right wingers. Um, it, it turned out that, you know, Madison had really been inciting a lot of this violence and and negativity and et cetera, et cetera. And the reason we're bringing this up is, you know, had there's a lot of things because Maddie and I are both I would say pretty well and widely read, but part of what makes this podcast interesting is that we're interested in different things. So like we fill in gaps for one another. And had I known more about Mr. Cawthorn, I probably would have said, I probably would have stopped the conversation. I would have said, you know what? He's not a person I'm really comfortable giving any attention to on this podcast. Let's talk about some other millennial leaders in government. Um, And Maddie as a wonderful and respectful co-host would have either said, okay, let's drill down on that and why you're uncomfortable or let's move on. But, you know, we didn't have that conversation. And as a small business owner, as someone who is from time to time, you know, active, certainly on social platforms because of this podcast and other reasons, um, you know, I, I do have to worry a lot about cancel culture and what could happen if something is taken out of context. Um, And again, not to center myself, but we share this because we want everyone to understand that, you know, our podcast is not part of the 24 hour news cycle. And I will let Maddie talk a little bit more about what that means. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. And 
obviously we had kind of an offline conversation about this as well, so I definitely agree. I'll just add a, a few more points, obviously, too, because it was my my topic that I brought up. And to Shay's point, we don't brief each other on the topics on the show. We didn't like Shay didn't know that I was going to bring that up. And, you know, in hindsight, when we were talking earlier, too, like I I actually did know about that allegation and I know a lot more about him. And I chose in that moment to kind of I was making a through line point around I would rather have of any politics, whether I agree or disagree with them, I'd rather have young people represent me or millennials. Some of them are a lot older than me, but I would still rather have that than kind of these 80-year-olds that have been around for a long time, many of whom also um, have done a lot of terrible things in their personal life and in public life and were also inciting and things like that. And I think I probably could have made that point in a more... um, easy to understand way or with um, like people or specific data points that didn't distract or take away from that point. But that's really all I was trying to do. Um, But it is a learning experience for me too of like, I think we should do a deep dive topic on the Me Too movement and some of that, those types of things, because it has been such a big part of the millennial culture. So that's something we could potentially scope because I think there's so much importance there. But just for me personally, like, why, if I knew it, did it not come to mind as much? Or, like, it wasn't out of, like, obfuscation or anything, like, malicious on my part? Like, I wasn't trying to mislead the listeners into, like, thinking about Madison Cotton thinking about him in like a more positive light I made a joke about his looks which like you can google him like I stand by he, that he is that he is, he is a hottie um but I can see why given the broader context around him that that could be seen as me being like everyone should be a fan of his and that's not what I meant so I stand by that the other thing that Shay kind of mentioned is um you know there was a lot that came out about his involvement in the riots at the Capitol and all of that after we had recorded the podcast and there was just like a deluge of information and things like that. So like, had I known all of that, I probably would not have, especially because we were talking about that incident on the podcast. I would have either not brought it up or framed it in a different way. Um, And the last thing I'll say before we go into the other topic is what you had brought up about cancel culture, which it's very interesting. And we're planning on doing a deep dive topic about this because again I think similarly to me too it's something that's relatively new that affects a lot of millennials and I think Shay and I both have strong opinions about it it touches our lives in different ways with me working for a corporation Shay being a small business owner working with entrepreneurs like just being a person in the world right like cancel culture can affect anyone um and that to me is something that I want to be clear with the the listeners on that and hopefully people know this but I think it's it's worth repeating like I want to be held accountable I want people to call me on mm-hmm. my shit we've been saying this for years like the moment we start getting hate mail right it's it's obviously easy for me to say this in a context of it not happening because because we live in this terrible cancel culture it really could affect your business and your livelihood and your relationship with friends and family but like I want people to 
call me in and Shay did that today like I think we had a nice like offline conversation about a lot of this stuff and like came to a very good place about it um and I treat all the listeners the same way and I'm a pretty open book and I think a lot of people see these things as well I need to like be more polished or more like sure of myself before I speak and I've found a lot of growth just in the years that we've been doing this podcast and in my personal life from maybe being more open, maybe talking about things that I'm like, eh, like I edit these podcasts even before Shay gets to them. And there's oftentimes I'm like, oh, I probably could have like been a little bit clearer there. Or I was rambling too long and I could have been more concise or like, oh, that was from a month ago. Something's changed, you know, and I've kind of taken the stance of I'd rather I'm putting myself out there, but I want to make it clear like Shay and I come together as two people on this podcast, but like what I say is my own, what Shay says is her own. So like, please don't cancel Shay because I brought up Madison Cawthorn. No, it's not her and, fault. She didn't know. Um, and, but I hope that we're we're fostering an environment here that like we we want to have a conversation. We're people that want to grow. We want to do better. And we're coming at this with that intention. And I hope that's clear to people. Yeah, Maddie, I love I love that you said that. And I think it's just, again, and, and we're talk about this a little bit in a minute when we talk about um, the 24-hour news cycle and media, which exists within that and media, which exists with, which exists without that. I don't know. Um, you know, it's outside of that. Um, but, you know, Maddie and I decided, you know, it, it was a, it's been a choice and it's kind of been an ongoing choice for us to keep this podcast, um, uh, an amateur one, right? We don't make any money off of this. This is a passion project for us. Um, and not that that excuses anything, but what I say is that how lucky we are to be able to go on this journey with each other as friends, um, and, and, you know, with our listeners as we learn and as the world has changed so much in the past four years, three and a half years since we started this podcast. I mean, it's just really incredible that, um, you, you know, right, that we've been able to be on this journey together and learn so much and that we've been able to keep it this passion project and and continue to work through these things. And I think we we want to stay true to our mission. Um, and the reason why we started this podcast, which is because we wanted to tell stories about our generation and we wanted to talk to people and show a really wide range of experience. And I think this year, 2021, we are really coming back to that, right? We've told a lot of stories, but we really want to expand the range of stories that we're telling this year. Um, and that's first and foremost foremost for us. And that doesn't mean, um, oh, we're going to get some black people on the podcast because that's what's cool right now, or that's what's good to do. You know, we're really, yes, we probably, we are looking to hopefully have more people of color join us and share their stories. But, you know, again, it's all part of this journey. It's about learning. It's about, um, coming together and sharing. And I hope I'm not completely inarticulate in saying this, but you know, again, it's just Maddie and I, Maddie does all of the behind the scenes work. I do what I can. I'm, I'm kind of the talent. I know we've joked about that before. No, Maddie is talent and produ producer and everything extraordinaire. So, so grateful for her, but um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit, Maddie, unless you had anything else to add to my um, 
rambling there. No, think, Let's talk about the news cycle. Yeah, I think it's great. I think I'm always going to be on the side of more speech, even if it's not perfect, is always better than less. And I never want to censor myself. So that's kind of how I feel. So the 24-hour news cycle. So I think, um, you know, just the news moves so quickly. And I thought it would be interesting. We've touched upon this a little bit in past episodes, but just kind of giving the listeners like, how do you guys come up with hot topics? Like what kind of thing? Because it's not like I'm not sitting there doing extensive millennial research. Certainly during the deep dive conversations, we do do a little bit more kind of research on things. But a lot of it is like, at least on my end, just me kind of things that I'm seeing out in the world or that I find interesting or that there's a millennial bend to it that I think people would find impactful. I kind of keep track of that. And then sometimes there's days where it's like there's just something in the news that we want to talk about. But this podcast, we we record it kind of two weeks to a month out, give or take. So a lot of those takes could be a little stale. But I think it's I actually like it's funny because at the top of the episode, Shay, you were talking about how during COVID people are listening to less podcasts, I've actually found myself listening to more because I think Mm. at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of got away from it. And then I've now been trying to like re-engineer my schedule. So like the time that I would have spent listening to podcasts on my commute, I like still want to carve out that time to just like have a mental buffer. I love that. So I've recently got back into it. But because of that, I had like a backlog of episodes for a lot of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. And some of them are more news-based or more like interview style and that type of thing. And it was actually very interesting to go back and listen to these podcasts that I think were kind of meant to be consumed real time um, and seeing like what people did think back a month ago, two months ago, three months ago about COVID, about the election, about, you know, everything that's happening in the world. Um, So I find a lot of value in like consuming kind of stale news in a way. Um, and yeah. it's just well, a little slower, slower pace. And I, and I think the commentary is certainly always, always valid. But again, um, you know, I think a lot of, we're so used to this again, what we're calling the 24 hour news cycle, which means that you always know exactly what's going on in almost any part of the world and you can see it and you can see commentary and it's really exciting. And it's something that is a huge advantage to being alive in this day and age, right? You know, think about, you know, 50 years ago, you had to wait for the six o'clock news. And 100 years ago, you had to wait for the daily newspaper. And 200 years ago, you were lucky if you got could get a paper, you know, once a month, or you were waiting for news. If you lived somewhere out in the boons, you had to wait for a letter from someone who was like in the city getting the action. So it's it's a huge, huge privilege to be alive in this day and to be able to have to be able to participate in that and consume that media. But the problem with the 24-hour news cycle is that um, these reporters, these news outlets are working so fast to get this information out that they don't have time to do, you know, the the deep dive, the sometimes the fact checking, um, you know, sometimes the more insightful commentary. Um, and we're also getting all of that on social media as well from some people who are not qualified to be making commentary. <laughs> Um, So that's what we're looking at with the 24-hour news cycle. And then it's important to remember that 
like this podcast, even though we are a quote unquote current events podcast, we do try to talk about topics that are, you know, a little more timeless, um, you know, there's, or our thoughts can be consumed, you know, our thoughts on them don't necessarily change over or change hugely over time. Um, so again, we're part of a different type of media that is, I think, in in some ways, a little more traditional, you know, a little more um, produced. And you can put a lot of podcasts, I think, in that category, documentaries, uh, long form journalism, um, magazine writing, all of that is a little bit different. And that means that, again, it's not necessarily going to be quite up to the minute, but that doesn't mean that it's devalued. And I think it's always important, as Maddie was saying, to just remember that when you're consuming that type of media. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Um, And I think it's good to kind of get both and do an Mm -hmm. audit on what are you consuming? And people have different like feelings on this. And I think this goes a little bit into like our burnout conversation, because I'm going to go through all the stuff that I consume And you're probably going to be like, Maddie, you have no time to do anything else because it's a lot. And that's just me. So I'm giving a lot of a lot of things you can pick and choose. Maybe some things will speak to you more than others. But I'm not suggesting that people become a crazy person like I am and do all of these things. But for me, I like having a wide range of diverse opinions into my brain and kind of like letting it percolate. And a lot of the stuff that I read, I don't agree with, or it makes me feel some type of way. But I do it anyways, because it's important to me. And then for very like, statistical up to the minute things, like, as an example, before I go through some of this stuff, like, I get basically all of my COVID news from watching full press conferences, which sounds crazy, but I do that or the New York State COVID newsletter that goes out every night. So if you're in New York State, highly recommend you don't have to read it every day, but it gives like, what are the COVID statistics? What's the latest with the vaccine? What's the latest with like, where are the clusters? What's the latest like CDC guidance? And it's very like, no nonsense. And even if you're getting because obviously news outlets are taking that information from the government and putting it on their own outlets. I've just found like, even just the headlines on some of this stuff, even if you read the article and it's the same, they're just like copying and pasting it from the government website. Like just the headlines are not, they're like leading you in one way or the other. And I'm like, I just mm-hmm. rather have the information. I just want the new, like I don't for that kind of stuff where it's like, I genuinely just want to be informed. I don't need commentary on like what you think about the fact that New York state is at a 5% case positivity rate. I just want to know the positivity rate and that's it. Mm-hmm. So Definitely recommend transcripts of press conferences and government newsletters. Like every government website has like a newsletter section. So like you can get the CDC newsletter, you can get the White House briefing newsletter every week, every um, every day. There's weekly ones, there's digest ones. So like whatever jurisdiction that you're in, there's probably a state, city, and then whatever federal thing you're interested in and just get it that way. And it's a little bit less of an exciting read, but I find that to be better. Um, the morning newsletters that I read every day, I get the what a day one, which is the guys from pod save America, which they're all former Obama staffers. Yep. Do we want to save this conversation for our burnout 
book club discussion? Um, we could. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be so much other stuff to talk about in that one. Okay, this but that's where you on. got this idea to do the media audit, right? No, I was just, I brought up burnout because it's, I, I read a lot of like daily newsletters and mm. I don't want people to be like, oh my God, I need to read all these newsletters and then they're going to like burn themselves out and then be like, oh, I can't I read see, anything. I see. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Well, continue, continue. And then we'll, this is I'll just to give the listeners what I look at an and idea. we can move on. Yeah. So what a day, Pod Save America. Highly recommend. That's a more liberal run. I read the Dispatch, which is kind of like a center right there are a lot of like never Trump Republicans that have written for various publications. I really like it. It's given me a good insight into like what evangelicals and like Christians, which I feel like that's a part of the population in any context, liberal or conservative Christians that I just have no context for. Um, so I find that to be helpful. The Newsette, which is kind of a news digest similar to the skim but I like it a little bit better than The Skim. That's more focused towards women. It's like very feminist. And I like that one a lot. The BuzzFeed News Morning the BuzzFeed News Morning Newsletter is really good. The Hustle, which is about Silicon Valley. Morning Brew, which is just general business news. And then I have my various ones from like city, state, federal. Um, podcasts, I don't listen to cable news except when there's like something happening. But I think opinion cable news channels are like poison no matter what side of the aisle you're on um and then i listen to a lot of like interview based podcasts and like current event podcasts and that's really where i get a lot of stuff from yeah i love that maddie and i love that you went through that for our listeners because um and i also kind of like wonder if this is a little bit of a of a an age difference thing because like that is a, that is a ton to consume. Um, I'm also a big fan of newsletters because again, it's a great like stopgap between again, this long form produced media um, and the 24 hour news cycle. So I love me a newsletter. I also subscribe to many. I don't necessarily read them all every morning. Morning brew is a good one though. Um, Yeah. I don't read them every morning. I should say sometimes I skim them. Sometimes I like will click through the links and like read the deeper most newsletters. It's like they'll give you the little gist and then you can like click through for more. So like sometimes I do that. Um, But yeah, certainly not every morning. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I feel like my I I like magazines and I kind of listen to most of the podcasts I listen to are just for fun. But in terms of news, um, I read the New York Times like an old man. Like I like I mean, I I don't read it in paper, but I do, that's kind of where I get my news and that's, then I kind of tap out. But, um, you know, it is interesting how some days I consume way more than others and it's about figuring out where that balance is. Yeah, totally. I also love magazines. I didn't mention that, but yeah, I have a subscription to Vanity Fair, the New Yorker and New York magazine where I get a lot of inspiration for this podcast, especially New York magazine. I love that one so much. I mean, I do too. I, but just got a subscription to that. Oh, I wish I had it. it for years. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. And I'd All love right, if the listeners, if you have any newsletters or podcasts or news sources, particularly ones where you think we could glean content about millennials or learn about a different perspective, maybe that we haven't demonstrated as much on this podcast or something where you think Shay and I could learn something from it, definitely send it our way. I'm always looking for new stuff. 
Yeah. I And I think the other thing I want to say in this discussion about news cycles and, and news sources is please, please, please be careful when you are getting your news from social media. There are, uh, you know, so many wonderful content creators out there. I just, I feel like every day I discover somebody else who is approaching these difficult topics and these nuanced topics in a really wonderful way. But there's also literally tons and tons and tons of just crap, crap and misinformation. Yes. So, you know, please please be careful. And, you know, we can talk, I think maybe at another time, how you can kind of vet your social media sources. Um, but, you know, please hold them to the same scrutiny. And and please don't be one of those people that's like, well, I saw it on the internet. So it yeah. must be true, which surprisingly, I meet people like that all the time. Yeah, totally. So. I think it's helpful. I've done this with my Twitter, my Twitter feed, Instagram before I actually did it with my bookshelf recently, because I was curious in the, like, time of you know, I feel like over the summer, there was a lot of stuff around like, what media are you consuming? Are you consuming a diverse array of mm-hmm. um, voices and things like that? And so I did a social media audit then and also looked at my bookshelf. And that was very, very interesting to me to see like, where the gaps were of things that I like if I had described like this is what I think I read versus like mm-hmm. what the books on my bookshelf actually were it was a very interesting like mix and there were some like ways I was like oh I'm like actually more indexed in this area than I thought I was and then there was this where I was like oh, I thought that I followed like 12 people like this, but it's actually just these two people, but they're the ones that pop up on my feed first. And so that's what like sticks in my brain. Yeah. And like the algorithms are so shady. Like even if you're following people, sometimes they don't pop up on your feed, like all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting to kind of look. And I think that goes to bring it a little bit full circle, like cancel culture. It's like, I want to focus on bettering myself and like, consuming things and synthesizing them and then making better actions in my own life and I find that a lot of people who are like well you're doing something wrong like the judgiest people in my life are also like the hottest messes or like they don't walk the walk too so I'm like yes before you criticize someone else about what they're doing like look at your own stuff and see like what you're doing and like put your own house in order before you're like gonna go tear someone else down I think that's just like a good value to live by Agreed. Agreed. Oh, we went over time. All right, Pretty campers. Sure, there's just so much every time. Yes. So that's why we keep saying we're going to do 20 to I know. 40 it's minute episodes enough. and we're coming in at like 45, it's but fine. we'll try to, we'll try to keep it together for you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, hopefully next week we'll be back with a guest or in two weeks. So stay tuned for that. Can't wait. Bye campers. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.